right, another episode of Spilling Buckets. Ryan Jacobs, Kyle Vaughn. Kyle, we're just going to talk basketball trades is the plan. I wanted to ask you first, not to throw you a curveball, what's the basketball trade you remember where you were when this trade went down? Is there any? Yeah, there is. They're both Lakers-based. I was actually in L.A. with my family when the Dwight Howard to L.A. trade went through. We were eating at a Tex-Mex place right by the beach, um, and we were convinced that the Lakers were going to win the next six championships. Were you eating chimichangas? Yeah, we actually were. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I assume that I was. And then the other one was, ironically, uh, Chris Paul to the Lakers. I was at a pasta dinner junior year or sophomore year of high school getting ready to play a football game the next day. Um, and again, once that went through, quote unquote, um, thought that they were going to win the next, you know, five to 10 championships. Uh, but obviously that did not uh, come to fruition with the uh, David Stern vetoing. But what about you? My memory is not as doesn't go as far back as yours does. I remember the Porzingis trade two years ago being in the office and just like a scramble of everyone sharing their opinions on the Porzingis trade and all of us overreacting. And then I remember about to get on the Peloton when this Harden trade happened just a few months ago. Also, when these trades happen, it's like you don't want to get too quick with your reaction because you never know if there's some picks included Uh and you don't want to make these strong opinions. But also, it's funny you mentioned like being in the office. Obviously, you and I are both not in the office currently, so we get to be a little bit more. Uh, we have to be a little bit less covert with our Twitter usage on trade deadline day because, <laughs> like, when you're in the office, you can peek every you know couple of minutes. But I mean, I was looking at my phone the entire day today. What about you? Yeah, today was a was a thumb exercise for sure. On Twitter. The thing is, I should just have it up on the computer, but I, I like having Twitter up on the phone more than on my on the desktop. Yeah. Yeah. When these the, trades uh, go the down, usage rate sometimes, for this, the usage rate for this week on the phone is going to be through the roof. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I'm already at like six to seven hours a day, which is nothing I'm proud of. But at the same time, it's like I enjoy staring at this. So what's the problem? <laughs> what else are you going like to do? I'm like, half the things people night. have to say isn't as, aren't as interesting. So um, what was I just going to say? Oh, I was going to say how. It's frustrating how when these trades go down, they'll say, for example, Nikola Vucevic to the Bulls. And then you're like, well, well for who? And you got to wait five to 10 minutes. Yeah. I saw that Woj beat out Shams by five or six deals today, which was probably the biggest news of the day overall. Though. Did you see that one? Or for the most of the big ones today, did you see him as like, alerts popping up from like yahoo or i don't do alerts tweets oh you don't i don't the only alerts i have and i haven't canceled them are the apple breaking news i think they're bleacher report yeah um but no i don't really get alerts so i'm honestly checking twitter at a frequent enough pace that it may may be necessary so (laughs) one of my coworkers actually scooped me on the vucevic trade he slacked me and immediately told me the trade did not include the draft picks. So I said that the Bulls fleeced them. But with the draft picks, I, I don't know if I go there. Let's, I, while we're on and, that and trade, then I let's texted just... you with like 10 exclamation points about the Alonzo uh, Ball to the Knicks trade that I read from a fake Woj account. So yeah, the you got yeah. to keep your head on a swivel out there. <laughs> yeah, you got to be, you got to be thorough. Let's just start like Alfred Payton and a draft pick. It would have been a nice move. The fact that we think that New Orleans would trade him for Payton. Peyton is <laughs> let's, let's start with the Vooch trade. We're going to start there. I think that was the first big trade of the day. 
And my reaction is just doing some research. So Vooch is signed for three more seasons, including this year. So they have him under contract. I believe it's about 25 to 30 mil a year. So now they have a legitimate center, 30 years old in his prime, great scorer, can run the pick and roll game. Offensively, you'd have to imagine Chicago can be extremely potent. Zach Levine is having an all-time offensive year. We'll see what the other pieces look like, including Dan Tice. But overall, I think this was a move the Bulls had to make. They've been waiting around for so many years trying to sign that free agent or uh, make that great draft pick. They've made, I mean, with Levine. Well, they traded for Levine. um, So they finally hit the jackpot with him. But I think it was time to pull the trigger. And now you have your two studs to build around. Yeah, I think it was too, Um, especially in a year where, you know, they've mostly exceeded expectations. I know things have been kind of bleak over the last couple of weeks, but um, with the play-in, you know, you kind of do have to go all in and teams, teams get rewarded time and again for going all in, in this league. So, um, you know, I I do think it was a good move. I think it was a win-win for both teams, honestly, but you think about Levine and Vooch together. um, I think it's by far, the best they're now going to be playing with the best player that they've ever played with on both sides. I mean, yeah, Levine, I think he, he overlapped with like a super young uh, Carl Towns, but you know, Vooch is a veteran. Um, He's used to uh, playing in a losing environment. So I'm sure he's going to want to uh, turn things around. Um, And then, you know, they're both all-stars, but you know, they their their supporting cast has been pretty terrible but you know they'll make life easy for each other most definitely i'm looking forward to it anytime that one of the big markets improves it's good for the game and the idea of a potential nicks bowl series excites me a ton i don't know if that'll happen but it's just good to see the bulls you'd think they could build around levine and vucevic and i'm sure in the back of their minds this trade also meant to them we may improve our chances of re-signing Levine down the road now that we actually showed that we're willing to buy in and make these big moves. Exactly. That was a thought of mine as well. Um, You know, you're starting to hear the whispers of Levine's impending free agency, especially here in Nick's country. Um, I know he's at the top of the list um, over, over on this side, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a move towards building, you know, a culture of winning. Um, And I know that's a very cliche thing to say, but you know, it starts somewhere and this is where it started for Chicago. But um, what are your thoughts on the Orlando side of it? On the Orlando, on the Orlando side, I think it's more so the fact that they got the two first round picks, right? I think that Wendell Carter, if anything is a complimentary player, we'll see what happens with Otto Porter. Who's on the last year of his deal. I don't know if there'll be a buyout there. I don't really know what they're looking to do with him. Otto Porter to be frank, is is completely out of shape and has been a disappointment. And yet he I has think, a smooth nine figures in his bank account. Yeah. I mean, I th- you'd have to think this was the best offer that Orlando had, and I'm glad they're going full rebuild mode, although the term I've heard is, it's t- or the sentence I've heard is, it's tough to rebuild when you never even built. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, what were, what are they rebuilding? They didn't have anything. Yeah. It's not like they traded away superstars, so. I mean, I think they had to make all of these moves. They're the worst. They were in the worst position in basketball, which is the constant eight seed that loses in five games. Yeah. Well, it was kind of a wow moment today when we did see that trade go through because over the past couple of weeks, I mean, it seemed inevitable that Gordon was leaving and Fournier was going, but 
I mean, all the talk that I heard at least was that Vucevic was likely to stay. But when you think about it, what's really the ceiling of the team over the course of the next, you know, five years, um, even if you're keeping Vucevic, you know, best case, maybe you work your way up to a six seed in a couple of years. It didn't make sense um, or it doesn't make sense to keep him, especially with his value being, you know, probably as high as it's ever been. You know, he's an all-star this year averaging like 25 and 12 or something uh, to that figure. So, um, you know, it seems like Vooch loves Orlando and vice versa, but, you know, I, I don't think that they could have really passed this up. Um, and it's interesting to see a team like, you know, this is the day where they went all in on a full rebuild. So everything they do moving forward can be traced back to, you know, today's. Definitely. I think too, what's interesting is, for these smaller markets, there's no reward in being one of those middling teams and you look like you're building a culture because you have to rely on trades and the draft. You're not, when's the last time a big free agent went to Orlando? Whereas we see with the Knicks, they could actually benefit from showing the league that they're a legitimate team. They have a real culture. Look at Brooklyn. And they can hope, yeah, and Brooklyn too. It's, it's similar to OKC. They know that a 500 season. I mean, they saw with Westbrook, it's not going to get them anywhere long-term. Their only chance of competing for a title is to go full rebuild, stock up with the draft picks and hit a few guys. So that's what we'll see with Orlando. Let's stick with Orlando in general. I'm having, t- I'm having a tough time saying Orlando. Um, I was so just in co- Orlando. That's true. I We're going to get the that. Amway center. Yeah. The uh, buzz was palpable at the Amway center. <laughs> yeah, it was. I doubt that <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, Let's stick with them overall, though. So they also traded Fournier and Aaron Gordon, starting with the Aaron Gordon deal. So they traded him for Gary Harris, but really the guy that highlights the deal is RJ Hampton, who's 19 years old, has a lot of potential. Gordon to Denver intrigues me just because I think of how they can now close, kind of replace Millsap with Aaron Gordon, the way he can cut off of Jokic, uh, the athleticism that he has. Three-point shooting is iffy. But Denver is a team that seemed like they had to just make a move, even if it was to reignite some energy in the locker room um, yeah, after last season. So I think that this was a very good move for them. And it's all also like kind of now or never with Aaron Gordon, like the whole thing with him has been, you know, he's great, but he's kind of stuck in Orlando. He's, you know, DJ Augustine and Alfred Payton and Markel Fultz are his point guards over the cat course of the last couple of years. So now he's playing with a playmaker of Jokic's caliber I mean, you said it yourself, like all you really have to do is keep cutting, play every play through the end of the shot clock. And, you know, you'll get a lot of free buckets around him. How old do you think Aaron Gordon is? I I was listening to Simmons today. Did you I, was, did you I feared that you heard this. Yeah, I did. I, did. <laughs> um, I probably would have said like 27. Yeah, I would have said 27, 28. He's 25 for our it's listeners. Crazy. Yeah. So they, I mean, Denver now has him, Jokic, Murray, Porter all under 25 or 25 and under. Yeah. I mean, Denver has no excuse not to be able to compete for, to win the West. I think as we know, it comes down to what Murray can be and and what they are defensively, but Murray can, you know, be 90% of what he was last year in the playoffs. No one's really expecting him to go full bubble Murray again, but um, you know, they were obviously a super, they were a tough out last year, even against the Lakers. I think they won in five, but it was still pretty tough. Um, and Jokic is now likely going to win the MVP. I know that we love the MVP ladder. Yeah, it's important. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, I mean, just to reiterate what you said, having those, those four guys in your closing lineup um, and Gordon also adds like a switchability on defense. Um, you know, I think it's a strong move for sure. Yeah. I think Gordon's almost your modern day for the closing lineup of Murray Barton, Gordon Porter jr. And Jokic. <laughs> and the Joker um, <laughs> is, is a pretty special five offensively. We'll see what they could do defensively at the same time. And then Evan Fournier to the Celtics. I don't want to spend too much time on this. I think he'll be a nice complimentary offensive player, but I still think that the Celtics didn't really address the problems that they have, um, which are really at, at the point guard with Kemba Walker and his struggles defensively. The fact that he can't really play back-to-backs doesn't show up um, late in games for them often. And they, they just seem, we saw it last night, they don't know where to go at the end of games. We saw them past two games. I think Marcus Smart has missed huge threes for them. Tatum and Brown didn't see the ball late in the game last night. So I think the only plus for well, not the only plus, but the biggest plus for Boston is that they got rid of Dan Tice and that uh, Robert Dan Tice had a Dan Tice had a chance to win it last night in the corner. Yeah, he did. He was, and then he yelled so loud. <laughs> hey, Dan maybe Tice. if he makes that, he's still in Boston. Um, now Dan Tice will fit well in Chicago. Yeah. So back to Fournier real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a groundbreaking move, but he is a veteran, um, you know, a strong offensive player. And when you add a piece like that to, you know, a bench unit that, you know, is pretty anemic, um, you know, a, once like, you know, there's always like one piece that can make, you know, a lot of players a lot better. Um, so, again, you know, it's not headline news, but, you know, it's it is improving um, and every team in the league can use a surplus of competent wing uh, players in the NBA. Agreed. And they didn't give up much. So we'll see with Boston. They're a hard team to measure. I'd be lying if I said that I've watched that much of Fournier this year, but I mean, I've watched him in the past. He can at times really get hot and lead an offense for a quarter or two. So, but it's interesting. Be helpful. That the- He's just another guy that you can give the ball to late in the possession and can try to get you a bucket, which they struggle with sometimes specifically late in games. Yeah, definitely. It's right, interesting that, um, you know, the, the talk leading up to today was the uh, that they were going to be the team that landed Gordon. Um, and it would have been, you know, something if they could have packaged, you know, throw in like Neesmith and a couple picks or, you know, first rounders instead of second rounders, Grant Williams, you know, all the young guys to see if they could have gotten both Fournier and Gordon. But obviously it's not how it played out. Yeah, I think they would have had to include Smart given that probably isn't worth move. It. but at the same time, I guess this was to match up the contracts. I mean, Denver took on a very bad con. I mean, not Denver, Orlando took on a very bad contract in Harris. So, I mean, as we've mentioned, Danny Ainge, I saw on Twitter all day today, how many almost trades will he make today? I'm sure there were plenty of them. The move today we- that I think is the biggest news is the old Depot move, which just solidifies the fact that the Houston brass shat the bed trading James Harden for what they did. So basically, yeah, you go, go it, off. I know that this I know that this irks you. It irks me. So there's well, they had nine picks overall with this. They had not nine picks, but at the same time, they got no talent other than these picks. So they could have we think they could have traded for Simmons. So that was the first mistake they may have made. And then trading. Um, we said at the time that it was ridiculous. Trading Levert for Oladipo made no sense, given the fact that. Levert has several years left on his contract, has a higher ceiling, he's 26 years old. And even if, even if you didn't love what you got out of Levert, there's no chance that you could have gotten a better 
return for Levert than Oladipo. So they basically got, they basically traded Oladipo for a, for nothing. They traded for, for a pick swap. They, they traded for nothing. They got absolutely nothing for him. For Kelly Olenek, Bra- Avery Bradley, who will likely get bought out in a pick swap that they're not going to use. They yeah, so, got nothing. So they basically turned him into nothing. You're telling me, I mean, they I turned Harris Levert into zero. Yes. I think that's that's the main point. It's malpractice. <laughs> it's malpractice. <laughs> it's oh so bad. God. And I, I, we did say it at the time. You know, I guess you can you can get talked into the fact that it's an audition for Oladipo, and if everything went right, they could have flipped him for you know what they they thought that they could have flipped him for more than they could have gotten for Levert, and they didn't want Levert on the books. They want to have clean books moving forward. So you know. In a perfect world, it would have made sense, but it's it's way too big of a risk because now you end up with, like we said, you don't you have nothing. It just doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense at the time. Oladipo maybe is more of a win now type guy than Levert, but they, I I just fear that they had intentions of winning when they made this deal. They they thought they had Wall and Gordon and Tucker, and adding. Well, um, some thought that the uh, Hardenless Rockets were going to be a force, or at least uh, not to be. I can, I can sense exactly where you're going with this. They finally ended their 20 game losing streak. When I put this thing on them that I've mentioned every single podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think their um, first win since like the NFC championship game. Dude. I mean, if you could have surrounded Ben Simmons with Christian that's, Wood, I mean, first of all, that's an unbelievable pick and roll. Porter jr. Is 20 years old and his ceiling is extremely high. Jay Sean Tate's been really a solid two way player for them. If you get Ben Simmons, you can basically become like a poor man's, not even a poor man's, but a ver- a different version of Milwaukee where Simmons is the lead ball handler. He's running up and down the court playing the Giannis role and you just surround him by shooters. Like you have one in Christian Wood, you know, shooters, I mean, for Houston have been a dime a dozen over the last, in the Maury era, but I don't know. It would have been fun to see Simmons get his own team and it would have made all the sense in the world uh, for Houston to to make that happen. And you would have had a great defensive team. I mean, Simmons is arguably the best defender in the league and Woods a great defender that can switch. Tate is as well. So it's just frustrating. Houston completely blew it. And, and we see this, we see this all the time. You trade the superstar and you just don't get back what what you're looking for. I mean, the last superstar we saw traded was Anthony Davis. I mean, they got a significantly better return. New Orleans did than Houston. And think about it. Davis technically had one year left on his deal and Harden has two years plus the option. So it makes absolutely no sense. And who knows where those Brooklyn picks are going to end up likely not in the top 10. And I don't trust them drafting based on the decision-making that we've seen from them so Uh far. And there's a chance they lose out on their pick this year, which would be absolute debacle. Yeah. I think it's top three or four protected. Houston, Houston, the only good move they've made is the Wood signing and the Porter Jr. signing. Other than that, it's been an embarrassment. Yeah, but I, I love the Oladipo move for Miami. Yeah, it's correct. We completely, I completely neglected to even consider that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I want to admit, though, I think it's impossible to predict what, what Oladipo is going to do. Do you think yeah, he, do you when think you're he trading, starts for them? I don't think he should. I don't think so I think either. Be way more effective, just like come off the bench, run the bench unit. Don't go crazy, but you know, play with the bench unit. You can kind of make it your own. I think 
that that's way more appealing than trying to fit him in with an already like somewhat, I don't, I mean, not loaded, but arguably loaded offense with, or just a lot of guys who need touches with, uh, you know, Goran, Jimmy, uh, you know, you want to run through Bam, you want to get Duncan and Hero their touches. So I think it makes a lot more sense for the Heat and for Oladipo to play off the bench. It's like tough to. Said, they traded nothing for him. So exactly. No, he, I mean, regardless of what happens, it's a good deal for them. If he's, they, if he, you know, fits right in, great. Play him, pay him. If he, you know, if the transition isn't seamless, you know, have him ride the bench. Yeah, and they replaced uh, the clinic with someone else, I believe. They uh, they acquired a, another center today. They were cl- they replaced the clinic. They replaced the clinic. Um, we'll have to. I need a minute to see who that was with. Um, but yeah, at the same time with all the depot in Miami, they've, if watching the heat, they sometimes struggle late offensively. It seems like Butler is the only guy that can really initiate. Drogic hasn't been the same force necessarily that he was last year. And they need that second guy that can initiate an offense and get a bucket late in game. So I think that's what Oladipo would fill in for them. If he's healthy thing is with him. It's hard to judge his time in Houston. They didn't, I mean, what did they win? They won the first six, seven games, and then they lost 20 straight. So you don't know how motivated he was. In Indiana, it seemed like he was improving slightly before the deal. Miami doesn't well, need much he was, from him. He was, you know, on a great trajectory before he had that injury. I think he was yeah. He's definitely an all-star. It was, I, I don't know if he was all NBA, but it definitely seemed like he was about to make the leap. It's crazy. He's on his fifth team, I think. Yeah, he's been moved a lot and had a lot of ups and downs. So in Orlando, the uh, the, the I mean the you know the grapevine was saying that um, Oladipo to Miami was going to happen um, in free agency this year, or you know a trade within the past couple uh, of you know in the past couple of years. But Miami probably never could have imagined that they would get him for, for what free. amounted to a bag of balls. It really is. Kyle, do you have also, any reaction? I think it's a good move for the Heat. I just want to make this one point. Yeah, make because, this point. You know, the Heat aren't the strongest in terms of, like, players one through three in the Eastern Conference when you match them up against Brooklyn and Philly and some of the other squads in the East. But, you know, in, in roster spots like four through ten, I think that they're head over heels, uh, head and heels better um, – than those teams in terms of depth. So I think it's a, it's a strong move in that sense. As far as the playoffs are concerned, even before this move, I would have had the heat as the second best team in the East come playoff time. So this, this strengthens their chances. Kyle, do you have any reaction to the Norman Powell, Gary Trent jr. Trade? Yeah. I mean, at first I thought that Toronto probably could have gotten a bigger haul. Um, you know, I know Trent's a strong player, but it seemed like there was half a dozen teams that were linked to Powell over the past couple of weeks. I know that they mentioned Brooklyn. Um, and, and if you're Toronto, wouldn't you rather have Spencer Dinwiddie than Gary Trent moving forward? I don't know. I just thought yeah. that overall that um, t- uh, Toronto could have gotten a better haul in return. I wonder if they – when they made this trade, if they knew that they were going to keep Lowry for the rest of the season, because now that they have Gary Trent, I mean, I know they traded Terrence Davis. They traded uh, 
Matt Thomas, who I wouldn't sleep on Matt Thomas in Utah. He can hit, he can rain threes and he'll fit in there in the regular season. At least <laughs> he's in a, he's a cyclone from Iowa state. Yeah. Um, but for Toronto, they didn't really weaken their team much at all today. I mean, they kept Lowry and they replaced Powell with a slightly weaker player. I mean, is he, I mean, Powell has been great for them. So Powell is definitely, you know, a step above at least yeah. at this point, but he's also five years older. He's going to be more expensive. Um, they'll probably maybe, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> maybe they did know that they weren't trading Lowry because Lowry has to be paid at the end of this year. And Trent is going to be less expensive than, um, Powell moving forward. So, well, yeah, you can probably get Trent for just a little bit less than Powell and he's significantly younger. So maybe they look at Trent jr. As a long-term option, in but also Toronto. keeping Lowry kind of seems like a win now move. Um, exactly. And if they were going win now, maybe keep Powell. But I think Norman's going to fit right in um, in uh, Portland. I agree. For Portland, yeah, Portland got better, but they didn't get they didn't make the strides they need to make to make me confident that they're going to compete for the Western Conference title. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it too. I mean, but, but Norman, I don't know. He's definitely more polished and he's definitely used to playing in a backcourt or playing with a front court of uh, two guards. He's just replacing Lowry and Van Fleet with uh, Dame and CJ. And you'll just, you know, Dame's constantly getting trapped. So Norman will likely have his, you know, one-on-one and playmaking abilities and uh, opportunities in front of him. Yeah, this is a point that I've been hung up on the past few months is that you can't discount the playoff experience. And Norm Powell has a lot of that. Gary Trent Jr. only has the five game gentleman sweep uh, the against bubble. the Lakers. Yeah. So, I mean, Powell has that experience. You can give him the ball late in the shot clock. Similarly mentioned previously in this podcast. So now they have three guys that you can really rely on offensively. He's a good defender, but the problem for Portland is I just don't trust there, like, as good as Nurk is, I don't know how much he could be on the floor at the end of a game. He's their only viable big, really. I know. I just don't trust them defensively. Well, unless, yeah, well, Canner can't come in late in the game either. So, yeah, we'll see with Portland. I'd love to see them kind of scoot up the standings a little bit and get a friendlier first round matchup. A um, few more trades here to look at. The really just one more I wanted to highlight is Rondo to Atlanta or Rondo from Atlanta to the Clippers for Lou Will. I think most people during the offseason were begging the Clippers to sign Rondo. So I'm curious why they didn't just do it then. Um, at the same time, though, they've been in such desperate need of a true floor general point guard since this PG choir started. And while Rondo in the playoffs may be a great option, I think there were other guys, too, that could have fit well for them from a point guard standpoint. Do you really think Rondo really, really pushes the needle for them? I do, you especially do? playoff Rondo. Yeah, I think that. Do you think he's playing I mean, thirty minutes in playoff games? The way he was playing last year for the Lakers, he was legitimately their third best player. I mean, him and KCP, you can argue on that, but he was so consistently important for the Lakers on their championship run that, and he's everything that the, that the Clippers weren't and don't seem to be, you know, the attitude wise. humiliating loss to the nuggets where they completely folded. Um, 
giving up the three, one lead. And with a guy like Rondo, you know, he's going to get in everyone's face and say like, come on, man, fuck this. Like put your foot in the ground. Like let's get some stops. Let's get some buckets. Um, and like you said, like he's a real life point guard for them. Um, something that they haven't had uh, with Kawhi and PG, like Lou Will's great. Yeah. Everyone loves him, but he's, you know, he's running ISOs. He's trying to get buckets. Rondo is happy getting zero points and eight assists at this point of his career. I think that's the point, Kyle, is more so his leadership than anything. It's funny. They traded one of the better regular season guys for the worst playoff player in Lou Will and got the opposite with Rondo. I agree with you, though. They need a guy that's going to get in someone's face, and they don't seem to have any they don't seem to have any character on that team or any any specific attitude. And I think they need that considering PG and Kawhi are the best players and they're super quiet. They're not going to get killed them face. last year. Yeah, exactly. So I, I didn't really think about it from an attitude perspective and a leader perspective. So I think Rondo should certainly help them. Let's, it let's... seemed inevitable when he signed with Atlanta that he wasn't going to finish the year. The signing was so strange. Like I understand that they want a veteran to kind of show the ropes to uh Trey young, but, you know, Rondo's a competitor. He's not going to want to sit on the bench for what we would have predicted was going to be a 10 seed um, and not play. So strange signing, but um, it's, it, it's cool to see Rondo back in LA, just on the other side of town. I really hope we get the LA LA matchup. Yeah. I, w- I didn't want to get too into the Western conference in general in the NBA. Cause I'll go on for another hour, but the one, the guy that I forgot that I wanted to mention for Miami, the center they picked up was not, Mon- Mon- I cannot say <laughs> <laughs> was Nemanja Bializa. Yes. Who is going to be a good fit for them. He's not that much different than the Wait, clinic I himself. thought he went to Chicago. He went to Miami for Mo Harkless. Oh, I thought he went to Chicago. No, Dan Tice went to Chicago. Dan Tice, yeah. <laughs> Watch out. The Windy City. <laughs> Bielisa can shoot the three, though, and he's a good passer. He's going to be a good backup center for them. So they, uh-huh. Miami Miami made some big uh, moves. Miami's deep, man. What do you say? They're deep. They're deep. Yeah, all right, let- we were going to try to keep this brief, and we should. I can't help myself, and I want to talk about – this is the one point I'll make. It sounded good when I said this earlier. It kind of rhymed, so I was pumped about it. Is that this season, to me, hinges on the health of AD and KD. Nice. <laughs> nice. I think that's a fact. I think it does, too. More so in terms of the Lakers for AD than the Nets for KD. If that makes sense. Agree. Yeah. The thing is, if those guys aren't healthy, it's really anyone's ball game. Which is which fun. Would be, yeah, which would be extremely fun. There's so many teams in both conferences, particularly the West. It still does feel like it's anyone's ball game. Yeah, like you said, just especially in the West. Um, like, would you be know, shocked man. if Denver or the Clippers won the no, West? I wouldn't. The Clippers, kind of. Denver, no. I think Denver's really good, and they're – highly moving up the rankings of the uh uh league pass league pass rankings yeah well i think the clippers this year love love the perception they have last year there was all this hype around them i don't think their main two guys enjoy that and now no one talks about them at all which is exactly what they want and it was i mean no one i thought the clippers were the prohibitive favorite last year (laughs) they it seemed like yeah i mean they definitely were the favorite last year and they seemed like they were a lock to win it all yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, we'll 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 get to more intense NBA talk on the next episode. Kyle, I wanted to ask you, Kyle went to the players 
He's got one more thing. He's got one more thing. Well, I got a question. All right, he's got a question. How surprised are you that Lowry wasn't moved? I was pretty surprised, but at the same time, they've been so weird with him for a couple seasons now. And the, the, the narrative that was coming out of, oh, he bought a new home in Philly. And then he said, I'm staying in Toronto. I'm not moving. I was surprised more so because I don't really understand the direction they're going in. But the fact that it's Toronto um, doesn't shock me. There's one thought I did have, and this may sound silly and immature, but I really think that Toronto views him as the most historic player in their franchise. And I think he's going to re-sign there. I don't think that they wanted his last game in Tampa and him going out like that. That may sound silly and short-term thinking, but I think there might be some weight on on that. Yeah, I mean, there definitely could be, but everything that you saw online last night, like him seemingly crying, leaving, the walking off the court, and then stopping the press conference to chat with Drake, like I would have bet anything that he was uh, going to be moved today. But then again, I'm not one to uh, – I mean, it's, it's no foreign thing for me to lose a bet. Well, this is my take on Toronto. First of all, I had Toronto winning the East, so that's not happening. But – I'll say this the same way I said that Houston was going to be a six seed. Toronto is going to get extremely hot in the next few weeks. Well, now that all the, the trade deadline chatters behind them, I, I would tend to agree. Yeah. Other than the fact that Nick nurse and Pascal Siakam's relationship is soured. <laughs> <laughs> As Pascal Siakam's just like spinning aimlessly all day. Yeah, um, He was exposed in the bubble. He was. All right. So, Let's move on quickly. Kyle went to the players. Overall great trade deadline. It was a good trade deadline. So many moves. We're back on this again. The thing is. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. Because <laughs> I have all these trades in front of me and there's all these just random moves. Like JJ I'm excited, I'm excited to watch JaVale George Hill. George Hill's the one we forgot. That's also one of those where it's more about the leadership. Yeah. Than the than the actual encore. In a play. real life point guard. The last comment. I'm going to say the last comment eight more times is I'm excited to watch JaVale McGee catch some alley oops in Denver and just gallop up and down the court. I love JaVale McGee. So do I. I think it's a re- it is a return for him. Yeah. And that's funny, man. He wins the championship last year, goes and wastes away for half a season, and this and then is bat right back on a contender. Right. It it's so underrated just the diff like the mindsets of these players and what they yeah. go through and and how different it is when when javel mcgee wakes up tomorrow and he's a nugget uh-huh all right let's well, we're talk on about to the, the final Kyle. stretch so it's exciting let's talk about the players all right you went to the players justin thomas won two weeks ago give us give give us all of it i haven't i haven't heard any of this yeah so what i've said is it looks incredible on TV, right? Objectively, it looks absolutely incredible. This year, like particularly. Yeah. As great as it looks on TV, TV still doesn't come close to doing it justice. That's like Augusta. Yeah. I, I mean, and I'm sure um, I would love to, you know, experience yeah. that. How one do you day, go but... about viewing there? So, the what plan. we did is we followed the last two groups through like their first nine holes. Um, after watching them warm up on the range, which was pretty sick. Like watching the best Bryson, part. Yeah. Watching Bryson hit 350 yard, like five wood and then look at his caddy. Like he was the most pissed off person in America, but it was great. Um, I followed them for like nine holes. And then we went and sat on 17, obviously the famous Island green. 
in between, like we were in between 16 green and the 17 T and 16 is a par five. So you could see like the ball come through on their second shot or, you know, their third shot. So you would see like Eagle putts and birdie putts of the guys finishing. And then like the environment on 17 was sick. We saw like a dozen balls go into the water. Um, it legitimately couldn't look better. You're in a stadium um, and like the vibes are just so strong. Can you tell, were you there for Brandon Todd Shank? No. Can you tell, like, can you sense how nervous these players are, especially at 17 or just how locked in they are? You can notice it in how much they're looking up and trying to see which way the wind is going. And it's strange because like there's no trees or anything over there. So they're just trying to see the wind, I guess. Um, But it was unreal, man. Just like such a crazy good experience. I had like some funny, I mean, like some decent interactions with the guys, I got uh, some knuckles from Sung JM and uh, Dylan Fratelli within like Sung five <laughs> minutes of getting there. Was he wearing his long sleeves? Fratelli was, yeah. He's big. His hands, he's got some really? paws on him. Was it easier to navigate because of the limited crowd? Did you notice that? Not really. Not really. That's the thing about going to golf tournaments. And we, you and I went to Beth Page for the PGA a couple years ago. Don't bring you it kind of have to go into it knowing that you're you're not you don't see a ton you're not following a tournament you're kind of just watching watching some, some shots and like yeah enjoying the scenery and like this, the vibe of being there like everyone's yucking it up also i mean first of all these players look unreal in their in their wardrobe in general but you can see it on tv when they show it sometimes but when you're there the amount that goes into every single shot is crazy the amount of time they spend back and forth with the caddy as you said looking at the wind, stepping off because they don't like the wind. Yeah. Also, just the the way they hit the golf ball naturally is just ridiculous. It's amazing. Um, the third hole is a par three. And I found that, you know, on par threes, everyone's standing on the tee or on the green. I was in like the fairway of the par three. So they would, everyone would walk right by me. And I had like my own area and I, JT was like two feet away from me. And I just said, you know, go and drain this. And he gave me like a firm head nod and then went on to win the tournament. So was it That's me who unreal. inspired him? We'll see, or we'll never know. No, I'm jealous. That sounds amazing. I mean, just seeing these players up close, we were talking about it. Rom looks like an offensive lineman with his legs. He's enormous. And He's it mean. kind of explains how he brings the club back four inches and is one of the longest hitters on tour. He's massive. I saw him at the green on the green next to Ricky Fowler when I was lucky enough to go to the masters and I could not believe the size of him. Yeah. And Ricky's small too. Yeah. And, and he kind of stinks. <laughs> he does. There was a you lot of like Ricky highlights going on as, as you walked in, as you walked in, it was pretty sick. Like there's this like half a mile long, like wooden footbridge and they're just like playing like the sounds of former uh, tournaments. And then it opens up like there's the giant pro shop, like a little, uh, like a courtyard where they have the projectors up. It was really cool. Um, very fortunate to have gone. Um, I'm glad we made the most of the opportunity. Well said, Kyle. Yes, did sir. You, uh, did you see Spieth? No, I didn't. So I remember when we saw him last time, How we couldn't believe how small he looked. Yeah, we were screaming at him last time too. My last question for you, Kyle. Have you started Last Chance You, the basketball version on Netflix? No, oh, I didn't know that God. there was a basketball version. So I have not watched a show since the NBA started. I've just been super dedicated. 
kind of taking this whole trade deadline talk to take a step back from the game slightly. Also, the just frustration I had last week in fantasy basketball. I was up four points when Kyle Kuzma got taken out of the game and he was the last guy I was playing against and I woke up and lost by 0.25. So now I've <laughs> lost to my dad by a combined 0.75 in my two weeks against him. But no, last chance I've been watching last chance. To your boy. What's up? Now you're losing to your boy. Yeah. My team's injured again. <laughs> um, but no, last, last chance, chance you last chance you is amazing. Um I have one and a half episodes remaining. I cannot wait to finish up. It's just, I mean, it's very well done. The players are likable. Did you watch the football version? No. The players in this one, it's a junior college in East Los Angeles Junior College. And these players either have been through extremely tough situations or yeah, made some mistakes. It sounds mistakes. like the same thing as the football. Yeah, one. made some mistakes when they originally got recruited D1. The coach is great. Um, it's an unreal show. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'll get to it. The I like the football one. The, the coach in... Uh, Two of the seasons was an all-time tool, all time. <laughs> <laughs> but right now I'm 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 reading I'm reading for the first time in like a decade. So pat on the back to me. Um, oh yeah, the three three ring circus book, the Kobe Shack and Phil, unbelievable uh, little anecdotes. Um, it doesn't paint Kobe in the greatest of light, but um, you know he was just kind of arrogant when he came in um, and like didn't ever really fit in with the team, which is crazy to think back on, but it's really good. Um, highly, highly recommend. Definitely. I should start reading more too, but I just stare at my phone. Hold each other um, accountable. Last thing, Kyle, uh, can you tell us a little about the piece you're working on? Yeah, man. Um, I, I think I probably stole a lot from it, um, within this conversation, but just kind of going after the, uh, the, the whys behind a lot of the, uh, behind, you know, some of the main trades that were uh, made today, you know, looking at it from each team's perspective on, you know, a lot of the deals that, that we spoke about here. So I'll be putting that out tomorrow morning. Um, so check it out. Spillingbuckets.net. Spillingbuckets.net. That is Kyle has now become the chief writer of staff, but Kyle, yep. Another, uh, another good, uh, good hour talking to you. I think we kept this to a more reasonable time, but Thank you, sir. Not quite the three hours with the hoop heads, but um, no. Well, that'll be back for a playoff preview. Yeah. All right, man. Talking about, uh, you know, the next week of hoops. So, fired up, man. We'll be back next week. 